Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, There's More. Our big idea for this week is living an appropriately small life is actually a big way to live. Our spiritual discipline that we're going to be looking at is servanthood. And we're going to look at some scripture found in Philippians chapter 2. Enjoy and thanks for listening. If you have a Bible or a smart device, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to spend our time just unpacking this tremendous piece of Scripture. So while you're turning there and while you're finding that, I want to share a couple of things with you, and that is we had a group of students that just returned from camp this past week. We had a great group of students go, and I got to spend some time with them on Thursday morning, and they were having fun and connecting. And beyond all of that, they were also being seriously challenged spiritually. And it was just fun to listen to that and to observe that. And so for all of the students in the room that were a part of that, I want to let you know, if you made a spiritual decision this week at camp, don't forget about that, okay? Because the tendency is to come back and just kind of return to normal and you forget about the things that you committed to while you were in that spiritually hot environment. And as a church, we don't want that for you. We want you to hang on to that. We want you to remember that and allow that to drive you all summer long. So I'm going to be praying for you. And again, I'm just so encouraged with the things that you're doing and the decisions that you're making. And we hope that you as young people rub off with your enthusiasm and your spiritual energy on us. So will you do that? Great. I'm not even going to let you answer. We need that from you in this place. So again, just really proud of our students and welcome back. Great to have you in the service today. The other thing I want to let you know about is our church picnic is today. And I know the weather looks a bit goofy, but we're going for it. We're going to be at Ridley Creek State Park from 4 to 6 p.m., and you can find all of the different details in your program about what we're providing and what you need to bring. And this is just a wonderful way to connect and to get to know other people. So I'd encourage you to come out, bring a friend, bring your family, bring your dog, bring whatever on out. We're going to have a good time and just pray that that rain holds so we can do that. All right? We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today, and what we've been doing with our summer here at Valley Point is pretty simple. We're just looking at some ancient spiritual disciplines that have the ability to change how we live. Today I'm going to introduce a third spiritual discipline, but before I do that, I want to review the first two that we've talked about for the past few weeks, because as we continue to move forward and think about new things, I don't want us to forget about what we've already covered and what we've already discussed. So, discipline number one is this discipline called joy. And what we discussed is that living a joy-filled life is possible for us. Not necessarily easy, but it's possible. And joy is at the heart of who God is. When you think about God and when you describe him, when you walk through different pieces of scripture, what you discover is that God is joy. And if that's who God is, then it only makes sense that those who follow him 
are also filled with joy. Now, we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a feeling that depends on what's happening around me. And if those circumstances are great, then I might be happy. But if I'm walking through a tough spot, or I'm in the middle of a storm, then I might not be happy, but I can still have joy because my life is God's gift to me. And so joy kind of supersedes happiness. And it's possible to live a joy-filled life, no matter what's going on around me. It's a great spiritual discipline. And I hope you have found yourself thinking about that and finding different ways that you can give joy away. Again, it's at the heart of who God is, so it should be at our heart as well. Last week, we talked about the discipline of prayer. And here's what we said about that. Live a wine-free life. And that is possible as well. Not necessarily easy either, but we can live a wine-free life when we pray. And the conclusion we came to is that prayer is actually a good thing. And here's why. Because prayer changes things. That doesn't always make sense. And that can be a hard thing to figure out. And that's kind of a cliche-ish thing to say. But it's just true. When we pray, prayer changes things. And it allows us to live a complaining-free kind of life. I got to say, last week, I had a marvelous time right here in this room where we just created some quiet space And we gave everybody the opportunity to just take your wants and your needs and all of your stuff to God and just place it at his feet. That was a great, sweet time right here in this room. And I want you to know, you don't have to just do that in a room like this. God says we can pray to him anywhere, anytime. And he invites us to do that. This is the incredible thing about God, the creator, the inventor, the one who knows all, and has it all, invites us, invites me. And I know what I'm like and what I do, and you know what you're like, and he invites us to step into his presence and to ask for things. Really quite an incredible thought. And we can live a wine-free life when we pray. Prayer is good because it changes things. And I hope you find yourself leaning into that a bit more. I want you to know that even though these disciplines are ancient, meaning that people have been doing them for a very long time. They are still incredibly relevant to our lives today. And I believe they have the full potential to take our friendship with God to a whole new level. But we have a responsibility in this to lean in, to focus, to shine the light on these disciplines and to improve. And that takes work and effort. And that's why we're devoting our whole summer to just talking about these ancient disciplines that have been around for a long time. They're still relevant today, and they can take our friendship with God to a new place. Here's our big idea for today. Living an appropriately small life is actually a big way to live. Living an appropriately small life is actually a big way to live. And the discipline that we're going to unpack is the discipline of servanthood. Now, let's think about that, because when we hear the word servanthood, often 
we say, well, this is how I have to convince others or even convince myself that I am incompetent and incapable. That's what being a servant is. That's what it means to be humble like that. Or I have to beat myself up because I am absolutely nothing. And that's not what servanthood is. Here's how we can describe it. It's simple, really. Servanthood is thinking about others first. Others first. Others first. Others first. And when we get in that lane and when we do that, it's actually very counterculture. So servanthood is not about beating myself up. I am nothing. I am a waste. It's about saying, I can actually put the needs of others first. And this is something that God wants me to do. And when I sharpen the focus on this, my life can have true and lasting impact. Now, what we could do is we could probably all think of a news story recently about an individual or an organization that all they can think about is themselves. And we could insert that story right here. And that would be discouraging and depressing because it's always frustrating when we see that on a national level. So we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to focus and we're going to look at the life of Jesus today. Because Jesus was a master at servanthood. Just an absolute master. So let's look at the life of Jesus and consider this. We say that we follow him. We say that we do the things that he does. But do we? You should think about that. We say we follow, we say we do, but do we actually do that? Here's what I do, and maybe you're like me. I'll be reading in Scripture, and I'll discover something about Jesus and say, that is amazing, and that's just an incredible thing, and Jesus wants me to do that, and I like that. That makes me feel good, too, so I can do that. And then you flip over a few more pages, and wow, there's Jesus, and again, he's really being kind and compassionate, and I like that, and I can do that. I can line my life up with that. It makes sense to me. And then occasionally you flip over a couple of pages and you say, whoa, (laughs) did you have to say that, Jesus? I mean, do you really want me to do that? Because that's a hard thing. And I don't think I really want to do that. I mean, I love these other things that are back here, but this, this right here is a very difficult thing. And I'm not so sure I can pull that off. I'm not so sure I want to pull that off. This is probably for people back in the day. It's not for me. So I'll just kind of focus on the other things and not do that. I find myself doing that occasionally when I come to a hard saying of Jesus. Today, we're going to discover one of those hard sayings. It's in Philippians chapter 2. And it's going to cause us to just take a deep breath, nod our heads a bit, and say, that is tough. That is not easy. But yet it's something that I need to consider because if I want a there's more kind of life, I got to get into this servant lane. So with Philippians chapter 2 open, I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. Here's what it says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
All right, that makes sense, doesn't it? It's not too challenging. That's not too difficult. Let's read on. Verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, these verses introduce to us one of the great Christological passages in all of Scripture. It is just rich with theological meaning, and it is just deep with how intentional Jesus was in reaching out to us. There's actually a theological phrase that you can hang on this chapter. It's called the kenosis. The word kenosis is a Greek word that means emptiness. And it describes the self-emptying of Jesus so that he could be completely in line with the will of God and do what God wanted him to do. Kenosis, emptiness. And that's what we find in this chapter. And so I want to go back and I want to read those verses again because this is so deep and so interesting. And let's think about that theological phrase here. Verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up. And there's the word. Kenosis. He emptied himself of his divine privileges. And here's what that means. It means Jesus voluntarily chose not to use some of his God-like attributes so that he could accomplish his objective, namely, Dying on the cross and paying the price for our sins. Now it's important to know, at no point did Jesus empty himself of being God. He just voluntarily set aside some of those attributes so he could accomplish his mission. That's kenosis. There's an emptying here. Talk about servanthood. Talk about appropriate smallness. That's Jesus, and that's what we discover here. And then it goes on to say, he, is what he did, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, often we read that and we conclude, Jesus felt sorry for us. He felt bad, and there's humans, and they're screwing it up again, and they're sinning. And we have the ability to do something about this. And so Jesus talked with his heavenly father and they kind of came up with this agreement that you can go to earth and you can be a servant for a bit. And we can kind of clean up this mess and we can make a real difference and people will applaud you and celebrate and worship you. And we just feel bad for humans. But that's actually not what we discover here. See, when Jesus came as a servant, he was revealing who God is. And he looked at people and said, here it is. What I'm saying and what I'm doing, I am revealing what God is like. And one of the things that we know about God, and I want you to hear this, God is a servant. At his heart is joy, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But when you open up the heart of God, one of the things that you discover is he is inherently a servant 
And that's why he sent Jesus, so that people could discover and understand what he is like. So what I want to do is I want to go to verse 3 now, which we haven't read yet, because this is where it gets kind of practical for us. So in light of all of that, in light of Jesus coming to show us what God is like, this self-emptying, this kenosis that's going on, there's a responsibility for us here. Because you can read all of that and say, well, that's marvelous. You know, God did something great for me. Yay, go God, that's marvelous. And we feel good about that, but here's where it gets kind of tough, all right? Here we go, verse 3. The writer is writing to a group of believers, and he now says, in light of all of that, you, and you could say Valley Point Church, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I think this here guarantees the success of the church. Like these words right here, guarantee the success of Valley Point Church. I think you could even take it further than that. I think this would guarantee success in your personal life, in your family, in your school, in your workplace. If we embraced the concept of what's happening here and we became servants as well, it would just change everything. If we thought of others as better than ourselves... That's incredible and counterculture. It's just different. And if we're going to have success as a church, we have to be doing this and we have to be thinking this way. And the minute we step out of that lane, we are in a lot of trouble. It's interesting because in this culture, when Philippians chapter 2 was written, nobody thought of humility as a virtue. Like they were just kind of stepping all over each other in order to get and to obtain what they wanted. And so the idea of placing the needs of other people before your own, that was a very progressive thought right here. By the way, it's still a very progressive thought today in our culture, isn't it? Let me ask you this. How do you respond when somebody comes to you and gives you a compliment of any kind? Again, if we're following Jesus and we're being servants and we're acting in humility, how do we respond to that kind of stuff? I just want you to imagine for a moment what that might look like. Imagine somebody comes to you and they pay you a compliment on how you look. Boy, you look great today. You look like a million bucks. And I use that as an illustration because nobody says that to me, so I feel really good about using that. But just imagine somebody came to you and said, hey, you look fantastic like a million bucks. How do you respond to that in humility with servanthood? Let's think about this. You're going to see some answers on the screen. How about look down at the ground, shuffle our feet and say, I'm not really attractive. It's just that the light in here is pretty dim. It's like the ultimate no self-confidence kind of answer, right? Or how about this? Boldly speak the truth by saying, well, I'm terribly interested in what you say. Tell me more and let us celebrate this good news together. (laughs) Just kind of weird. Or smile confidently and say, if you'd like some tips on how to look your best, well, I'd be glad to share. Or be direct and to the point. You are giving me a swelled head. Get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Which you may lose a few friends if you try that one. Or perhaps you just smile, say thank you. And then, 
Be quiet. See, here's what humility is. And when you think about servanthood, you can define it this way as well. It is submitted willingness. It's me voluntarily because I want to and because I get it and I understand that this is something that God wants for me. I willingly submit to other people and I place their needs ahead of mine. Verse 4 captures that. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And I think that's how you respond to that. Don't just take an interest in yourself, but take an interest in others as well. Let me talk to you about something. I see that happening here at Valley Point Church. And it's encouraging. It is inspiring. It warms my heart. Makes me proud of this place. Makes me want to belong here like never before. And invite as many people as possible to experience that. Because I see that kind of attitude. I see that kind of servanthood taking place here. And it is powerful. It's very powerful. And I also think it's close to the heart of God. And something he loves and smiles at. And wants more and more of from those who follow him. So let me just kind of talk to you about a couple different ways and share some stories and some things that are happening. Right here I've watched as a couple came one Sunday in January or February when we were having that big snowstorm and it surprised everybody in the second hour and everybody's running to get out of here so we could get home. Does anybody remember that day? Yeah, it was terrible. And there was a young couple that came in and they approached me and said, we got here, we have no gas in our car is there somebody that might be able to help us? I'm like, yeah, we'll find somebody. So I approached an individual that just has a huge servant's heart. I just knew it. and said, hey, I I need you to do something. I I know it's really snowing outside and it's crazy, but this couple here, they're newer to Valley Point. I don't know them well. They have no gas in their car. Will you help them? Oh, yeah, I'm on it. I'm on it. And I watched as this particular individual took them, went and got gas, brought it back so they could fill up their car and then help them get home in that snowstorm. And then he himself had to dig out his own car in this parking lot because it had already been plowed here and he was kind of stuck himself. That's not normal. That's servanthood. Right here, I've seen people make meals for families they don't even know. Making food for people that you don't know. That's kind of strange. And yet that happens here all of the time. Actually, it's not strange. That's servanthood. Right here, I've seen greeters welcome us into this place, and they do that with excellence and enthusiasm, and they inspire us and make us feel good about being here. That's servanthood. Right here, there are people who change the poopy diapers of your kids and mine. That's gross. Like, I'm good doing that for my own kids, but, you know, not yours. I kind of draw the line there. But there are people who do that for our kids, and that's kind of an unusual thing. That's servanthood. Right here, I've seen a family lose their home to a devastating fire, and the outpouring of what can we do to help them was just overwhelming. That's servanthood. Right here, I've seen someone who injured their leg, and they were hobbling around, kind of dragging their leg with them early on a Sunday morning, setting up the whole lobby. And I'm like, what are you doing here? 
Well, this is what I do. I set up. I'm like, you're injured. You don't even look good. You should go home. No. Now I'm staying here, and I watch as he drug his leg behind him, and he set everything up. I'm telling you right now, if I come in dragging my leg, I'm going home, all right? Somebody else will have to do this. I was amazed. That's servanthood. That's, again, placing the needs of others before my own. Right here, I've seen someone take paper towels into the women's bathroom and clean up a toilet that forever seems to be overflowing. Guess what? That's servanthood. And if there is anything that should set us apart as a church, it's the fact that this place is filled with servants. And I see that happening, and we need more and more and more of that so we can impact this community and impact the world because we will be successful when we do what Jesus Christ did and we follow his example and we place the needs of others first. Yeah, you can clap. Thank you. So let's do this. Let's get really practical, okay, and simple, and let's share some takeaways on how we can do this. And they're simple. Here's number one. Find something that needs to be done and just do it. And just make it happen. It's not overcomplicate the thing. Just there's stuff that has to be done everywhere, right? In church, at home, school, work, wherever. There's stuff that has to be done, and often it's those things that nobody likes to do, like change diapers or clean up overflowing toilets. You know, nobody likes that. But there's just stuff that has to be done everywhere. Just find something that has to be done and do it. I thought about coming up with creative lists of things, but I decided forget about it. Just find something that has to be done and do it. Let me share with you how I'm thinking about this in my own mind, and I almost hesitate to do this because it means I'm on the hook for what I feel God's calling me to do and what God wants me to do, but I'm going to share it, and maybe it'll help you. So in our home, there are beds that have to be made. I hate making beds. That doesn't fulfill me. That doesn't make me, you know, satisfy me. I don't feel inspired when I make beds. There's just nothing about that that I like at all. And so I don't make beds. I just don't do it. So what I'm thinking about is that in my home, that's one of the things that just has to be done. It's not glorious. Nobody really enjoys it, but it has to be done. And so I'm going to start making beds. And I'm doing one bed now. I'm going to expand that in the next couple of weeks to a few more. And we'll kind of see how it goes. Let's you know, not get too carried away with it. But I think this is one of the things that I can do. One of the other things I feel I can do is I can make a meal. I don't like making food. I'd just rather go without because that's complicated and dishes get dirty and then you've got to clean that up and it's just a mess, so why bother, right? And my wife graciously does a lot of the food prep in our home and she's wonderful and I've enjoyed that for far too long without being a servant that way. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something. And it's not going to be Wawa or something ordered. I'm going, to, I'm going to actually make something. I'm kind of looking forward to that. Right? Those are things that have to be done. People in our home have to eat. And again, I don't think I'm going to be satisfied with that. That's not going to make me feel really good. But I'm going to do it because it's just something that needs to be done. See, we don't have to overcomplicate this. All around us, everywhere we go, there's just stuff that needs to be done. So let's just discover what that is and let's do that. Here's the second takeaway. 
a little different. But how about hold your tongue? Not everything we think about should be said. Right? (laughs) I just speak my mind. Well, maybe you shouldn't once in a while. And in doing that, you might be placing the needs of others first. You might be thinking, that's not going to be good for them. Or that's not going to benefit them, so I'm just going to hold my tongue. And I'm not going to say anything at all. Maybe in doing that, you'll be a true servant this week. Takeaway number three. Carry someone's burden. You've got people around you and you know their hurts and you know what they need and maybe they need something physically to be done for them or maybe they just need a smile or a handshake or a cup of coffee or whatever. And what if we just inconvenienced ourselves a little bit and chose to carry someone's burden? Like instead of just going home to our nice air-conditioned homes, what if we just thought about this and inconvenienced ourselves somewhat? and chose to carry a burden for somebody else. See, I think these takeaways are simple, but I think it gets to the heart of servanthood. When we're finding something that needs to be done, when we're holding our tongue, when we're carrying a burden, we're actually placing the needs of others first. And in doing that, we're having the same attitude as Jesus. It's quite remarkable when you think about it. So take a deep breath, nod your head a little bit, and acknowledge, this is hard. This is hard. But it can be done. And as a faith community, we're going to give this a shot for the next several weeks and just kind of lean into this ancient spiritual discipline and serve others, knowing that it's going to have huge impact. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to kind of just put everything down right now, and I want to invite you to stand with me. Will you do that? On the screen, you're going to see some of the words from Philippians chapter 2. And I want this to be our prayer. I want this to be what we offer up as we just continue to respond to God in this place. And let's say this together and I want to invite you to do something else as well. If you're comfortable, I'd encourage you just to hold your hands out like this with your palms up, indicating, I want to receive this, but it's also something that I want to give. And there's something about holding our hands like this that just makes us kind of humble, and we're talking about that today. So if you're comfortable, I just encourage you, hold your hands out like this, and let's say this together and make this our prayer. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So Father, we offer this up to you right now. These are your words that you've left with us. You've asked us in this great, deep, rich paragraph to have the same attitude as Jesus. God, sometimes we find that to be easy. 
And then there are those times that it's just really challenging. And I think this is one of those days. And so, God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us to just begin to assimilate now. How can I have the same attitude as Jesus? How can I be a true servant? It's not about me telling others that I'm incompetent or beating myself up, that I'm nothing. No, it's about submitted willingness. It's about inconveniencing ourselves once in a while so that we can truly reach out and place other people in front of us. That's servant of God. So I pray that you'd help us now in this time frame to really consider what, what can I do? What does God want for me? Maybe that's just finding something that needs to be done and doing it. Or maybe it's holding my tongue and not saying what I think because the other person will benefit from not knowing that. Or God, maybe it's carrying a burden. Maybe you're placing someone in our heart right now and we just need to reach out to them and do the servant thing. God, would you help us to do more than just think about this? Help us to step out and exercise this spiritual discipline because, God, there's more. There's more to our friendship with you. And when we engage in these things, boy, you smile. You're happy with us. I think you bless us and you give us more and more opportunities to serve you. So God, help us to chase this with persistence. God, I pray that you'd start that in me. I know I'm not the biggest servant and I need to be. I think all of us need that. So help us to set ourselves aside once in a while and just look out and see the great needs around us and serve people. It's what you've called us to do. Help us to do it now. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.